All right. So we have Tim Lomano today with us. We all feel lucky to have him despite his fandom for the New York Rangers. Uh, Tim is a senior sales and capability guy across CPG. He's worked at Altria. He was the senior key account manager at Pepsi. He moved to Haribo, where he took over the director of sales and sales capabilities. And he is now with J&J as the senior manager of customer development. Uh, and also, he's a pretty good dude. Tim, we're really glad to have you, man. Thanks for making it. Awesome. Super excited to be here. Thank you, guys. Cool. All right. How did you make it to where you are today? Yeah, I would say two things jump out at me immediately. The first is uh, some really good fortune. Uh, I've been uh, I've been blessed to uh, have the opportunity to work for multiple large globally known enterprises. You talked about uh, PepsiCo, Altria, um, Haribo, and most recently Johnson and Johnson. And so those different organizations have given me such amazing experiences throughout multiple functions: uh, sales, marketing. Uh, you talked about sales capabilities, and and I've really, if I reflect back, I think I've had about 14 different roles over my 20 year career. So, I would say uh, the second part of that is a, a lot of a lot of elbow grease, a lot of hard work in these different roles, and being adaptable to learn uh, new functions within the business. What do you think, actually, now that you've been through so many roles? What is the best thing about your role? The first thing that jumps out to me is the people. Um, spent so much time day in and day out uh, working with coworkers, working with customers, and I've had such a, for- a good fortune of having uh, terrific leadership uh, and being surrounded by people that not only helped me and challenged me, but really helped develop and grow me. And you know that's really uh, allowed for me to get to where I am today. In my current role, one of the really exciting things is uh, the products that I get to sell. Uh, focused specifically on Avino and Neutrogena. So you, you think about the responsibility that comes with these, you know, decades, if not century old brands in the marketplace, such rich tradition. But how do you also bring a forward looking innovation strategy that continues to resonate with the consumer? How do you see it playing out with respect to client centricity? So how important is it to be customer centric in with those brands and in your business? I think it's critically important. Uh, I think the first thing I always do when I reflect on bringing a new idea, a program, or an item to a customer is I ask myself, how would I respond to this pitch? Um, and I think by asking that question, it's made me much more uh, empathetic to their objectives and goals, as well as much more successful in achieving my you know, personal uh, you know, business goals or business objectives. Uh, I think One of the best ways to do that, in addition to empathy, is the use of data. Data is so such a universal language and such a effective way to communicate with your customer, and it really strips away a lot of the emotion in the conversations. So seeking to understand their point of view, and then following that up by seeking to understand what matters to them, and finding the data that supports what matters to them really goes a long way in customer centricity, which I can't emphasize its importance enough. That's really insightful. And with this, I mean, you know, negotiation has to be a part of what you've kind of seen across. So how important is the skill of negotiation in your career? Well, I know you asked about my career, but I'll first say I have a six-year-old daughter. Um, and so you could imagine my ability to be a good negotiator comes, uh, comes pretty in handy on a personal level. Uh, but all joking aside, uh, you know, professionally, um, and negotiation is such an important skill set. Um, you don't even realize 
how many negotiations you're in throughout the day, um, some informal, some formal, but continuing to work and craft those skills of negotiation and really making that an ongoing area of development is such a key component of being successful professionally. Absolutely. And, and you touched on a little bit, so you can go with the daughter or with any people that you've worked with, but any personal or work-related stories that could be a negotiation, negotiation success or even a disaster? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine the audience would rather hear about a disaster, so I can share a disaster story with you. Um, I, was, uh, I was earlier in my career, um, and, and you know, for you guys or the audience, it, it, there's this joint business planning process, which becomes this annual tradition where you sit down and it's, it's, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. But the reality is, is you want to get on the same page around what is it that are our big, big pillars or big things we want to achieve going into the future. Uh, and the area I'd love to tell you guys a little bit about that I failed on was um, I answered more than the question and I made assumptions about what I thought the buyer wanted. So um, to parse it all down, one of the key tenants or pillars of what I was proposing was I really wanted to expand my cooler footprint at the front end of the stores. And I was so excited and I was willing to give a lot to get an expanded uh, footprint of these coolers. And so right at the beginning of my pitch, I kind of led with that. And the buyer interrupted me and, and, and he said, are you talking about the coolers? I think I saw a new one down the street at that retailer. And boy, did I launch into the world's greatest sales pitch about these coolers, about how they were more expensive, but he's such a valuable customer. I'd be more than happy to get them for him. And not everybody can get them. And they make the drinks the perfect temperature and all that other stuff. And finally, when I came up for a breath of air and I had come fully committed to those coolers as a part of my pitch, he said, I'm sorry to hear that because I hate those new coolers that I see down the street. <laughs> Negotiation over, back to the drawing board on JBP. And I had to tuck my tail a little bit on that one and uh, kind of revisit and, and tweak my story because I, I went into it thinking, and he asked me what I thought was a leading question around, hey, the guy down the road's got these new coolers. Can I get them too? And immediately I jumped into sales guy mode. And what I learned in that and what's really helped me moving forward is, number one, only answer the question. So I could have just, how, if I had an opportunity to redo it, what I would have asked them is, the ones on the street, tell me more about that. Which ones? Do you like them? Ask questions to seek understanding before I go for the knockout punch. So, uh, so that's a little bit of a failure story that, that I can share with you guys uh, that was early on in my career that's helped me and I learned a lot from. That's quite a story. It's all good though, man. We as consumers, we like to use those fridges, you know, and get in there. So that that person didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, just to follow up on that, so the next question I had for you was around what was what's the most important lesson you've learned as a negotiator? And I wonder, does it tie into the making assumptions or asking questions? What would be the most important lesson? Uh it does not tie into that. It's a separate topic. Uh, but the number one important lesson, I would tell you to this day, I still am challenged with it, is the concept of anchoring high or low. Um, for me personally, uh, I, I tend to prefer, like maybe uh, most folks do, amicable negotiations where it doesn't get very volatile and everybody is kind of um, pleasant and polite throughout the conversations. And I would say before I had the opportunity to really start to hone my negotiation skills, I wouldn't deviate very far from where I thought that I ultimately wanted to land out of fear of, number one, insulting 
the other party. And number two, breaking off those negotiations altogether because it was, quote unquote, an insulting offer. Um, I have a great personal story about this one that, you know, if, if you don't mind, I share. Um, and, you know, like a lot of folks, you know, you move into a new home and you want to get work done. Uh, and I was fresh off my skilled uh, negotiator gap training program. And I thought it's about time I put this to use. So th- getting a couple different estimates, I found one contractor that I really liked. And his initial estimate was $6,800 to get the work done. In my mind, it actually felt very reasonable versus what the other quotes that I had gotten. However, I said, I'm going to give this a shot. Let's see what happens. So I called him and I said, listen, I appreciate it. I think that it's a fair offer. However, here's some data to support my ask. I think your hourly rate is about X. Based on the research I've done, I think it's going to take you about Y to do this job. And I looked up some rough estimates on parts, and I think the cost is about Z. So I appreciate and respect your offer, but I'd ask you, would you do the job for $1,200? Now, the old Tim probably would have said, would you do it for $6,650 and felt like I was getting a bargain. But the new Tim uh, did it for this much lower $1,200 figure. Um, and much to my surprise, he came back to me and said, that's one of the best responses I've ever got. Could we agree on $1,600? So what was initially a $6,800 ask, I was able to get the work done for $1,600. So, um, just a, and it really, really gave me a lot more confidence, both personally and professionally. In this case, anchor low, but the concept of anchoring and getting people out of what they believe to be is that safe space from a number perspective. That's really cool. I mean, that idea behind anchoring low and opening extreme uh, in such a success, I mean, that that is awesome. What, um, what advice would you give to others that might have similar career aspirations? I know everybody has advice, uh, so I tried to boil it down to four or five things that I think are in, both incredibly valuable and have helped me irrespective of my role or where I sat in my career. Uh, the first is be open-minded. So be open-minded not only to other individuals' ideas, but also be open-minded to your career journey. As I mentioned, I think I've had 13 or 14 jobs. I've worked in the compliance department. These are not things I thought I was going to do when I set out on my professional career journey, but I'm so grateful that I was open-minded and took on roles and responsibilities that I probably never could have foreseen coming, um, and they've made me a, a, you know, a more well-rounded businessman uh, today. Uh, The second, I talked a little bit earlier, but have empathy. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. What are they hoping to get out of it? Where do they sit? And, you know, again, I'm not, I don't want to sound like a plug for the Gap Partnership, but they taught me you're not negotiating with the organization, you're negotiating with the individual. So what's important to that person? What are their personal objectives? And, and, And really utilize that to your advantage as you craft the conversation. Um, Something I've put a lot more energy behind recently, build a network. Um, I think so often um, we we get locked into our day-to-day and we we work with the people we work with, which is awesome. But I'd encourage folks to both internally within their organization and externally build a network, have meaningful, authentic relationships with people and 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 stick to it. It's hard sometimes because you got a lot to do, but it's an invaluable thing that will help you in your career. Not only answer some of the question, tough questions you have day-to-day, but you never know where those relationships can take you. Um, this one is, uh, 
I had a recent boss who coached me and it's such a valuable lesson. Bring solutions to your supervisors. So often we sit down with our supervisor and we're like, so business is down third quarter. What do you think the plan should be? And I've been on both the giving and receiving side of that conversation. And I would tell you, um, it's such a more impactful and such a more well-received message when you sit down and you say, I see the results are down in third quarter. I'd like to do X. I'd like to do Y. And I'd like to do Z. Here's what I need to execute that. What's your reaction? Um, so be a solutions person. Bring solutions, even if they're not the right ones, to give the audience something to react to. And last, and I think this may be the most important, is own your own development. I talked about having a network. And having great bosses and mentors is such a critically component of your career and having a long, successful journey. But at the end of the day, only you are going to be the one that's solely responsible for your development. So never lose sight of the fact that know what you want, pursue it relentlessly, and make sure that you're true to that by owning your development. That's really great. And I could use all of that advice, honestly, in my day to day. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit, but it's still very relevant, especially today. Uh, is there a secret to surviving a recession? Ooh, yeah. You know, I don't, <laughs> here's what I'll say about that. I don't think, I'm not an economist. I definitely don't have an answer uh, to, 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 to what is the secret to surviving a re recession. I think like most other families and most other individuals, just on a personal level, I know what's gone on and, and, and some of these times that we're in, I just know myself and my family are much more prudent and pragmatic about how we're spending our money, uh, where we are and, and, and kind of how we approach our financial situation. So, uh, you know, Shaylee, I, I wish I knew, uh, if, if I did, I'd be more than happy to share it, but I don't want to uh, speculate on that. I would just say, I think it's important to be diligent and mindful of your financial situation and, you know, ensure that you're making smart, prudent decisions based on circumstances. Good advice, man. You might just be an economist, you know. <laughs> uh, Tim, so just another shift, as Shaylee said earlier, shifting the the questioning with the workforce meant to turn over in the next few years. So you know that there's different generations that are joining. There's this uh, Generation Z. There's the millennials. How do you see, or how have you experienced different generations looking at learning development and sales or negotiation capability? It's a great question, and I think it's one that's such an such an important thing for organizations and, and myself as a team leader to think about because most organizations would tell you their greatest asset is their people. Um, and Mike, to your question, there is no one size fits all approach anymore. But one of the two areas, or excuse me, two, the two areas I would, I would definitely say resonate with a lot of different generations, but there's certainly a strong emphasis on these days as we bring in new folks to the workforce. Uh, the first would be the area of DEI. Um, I think uh, that's not something that maybe 15, 20 years ago, a lot of energy was put behind and a lot of training. But there's multiple studies out there that will tell you an organization where people feel enabled and empowered to bring their true authentic selves to work are so much more high functioning and so much more high performing than an organization that's not. So a continual focus on that, a continual investment in resources on that, whether it's through day-to-day -day training, whether it's through ERGs, whether it's through bringing in external people who've either um, had experiences or lived through some of that change is such a critical uh, focus area for, for learning and development sales capability for successful organizations. I think the second one would be kind of building a career development roadmap. I think associates today want to feel 
excited and energized not only about their current role, but their next role, and maybe even two roles down the road. And I think the transparency of the conversations that are being had, the training and education, both of an organization as well as a manager, on how to facilitate those conversations, how to give good feedback, how to create that roadmap that's real and authentic, and conversely, how to guide and coach your associate if you don't think that's the right roadmap for them based on the things you're seeing is of such critical importance. Um, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but I've been in the workforce for almost 20 years. And I could tell you, you know, Mike, you were talking about what's an emerging thing. Those conversations didn't really happen when I started. Back 20 years ago, it was more do a really good job and we'll tap you on the shoulder when you think we think you're ready for more responsibility. I think now that's not the right approach. And I'm glad it's not the right approach anymore because everybody wants to feel like they're working towards something. And the more investment, the more training and development that an organization can put behind that concept of career road mapping, the more successful they and their associates will be. And I think the last thing, which has just come organically, not so much like an effort, but um, I think it's been my experience that sales and business people have become so much more well-rounded just through the organic nature of the way the business has operated. So take an example, supply chain. Three years ago, I didn't give any thought into how the can of Pepsi that I sold or the bag of Haribo that I sold got to the store. And now I could tell you lead times and draying fees and you know all these other things. So I just think through an organic evolution of business and as be- people become more aware and have better cross-functional partnerships and relationships, that's just a product or an outcome of some of the you know continued development that I'm seeing in the workforce. And I loved what you said about people being the greatest asset. What are maybe some of the goals and key focus areas for J&J over the next few years in terms of upskilling? Yeah, I think, you know, I just touched on it. Um, I think for J&J, first and foremost, it's, it's, I think what's gone on recently has encouraged every organization to take a good hard look at their supply chain, infrastructure, procurement resources, and just everything from processes to raw materials to costs to how am I internally aligned. So I think there's a concerted effort there for J&J to continue to be customer-centric with aspirations to become this best-in-class partner when it comes to supply chain because we have terrific products and when they're on the shelf, everybody's happy. Um, I think I talked a little bit earlier about it, but DEI, I think we're just scratching the surface on that. I know I've learned and grown a lot in that area, and I think the organization and J&J will continue to make investments around that topic so everybody can show up as their true authentic self um, in work. And then, you know, of course, as Johnson & Johnson goes through this transformation and we create this new planned consumer health company of Kenview, I I can't even imagine what that journey is going to look like and how many, you know, challenges and upscaling we're going to be doing um, into the future as as we migrate to this new organization. And, you know, of course, for me, I'm a work in progress. My wife will certainly tell you that. Um, and I would say for me personally, my development skills um, is all around listening. How can I be a more effective listener? I think as a salesperson, uh, it's always my natural reaction to quick jump in and give the answers and say what I need to get off my chest. But the more and more I can keep my mouth closed and keep my ears open and hear what people are saying, I think is going to be an area of focus for me into the future. Tim, this has been an exceptional 30 minutes. I mean, not only have Shaylee and I learned career development uh, 
opportunities and how we can try to drive our own careers at the Gap Partnership. Uh, for instance, building a network, creating meaningful and authentic relationships, being open-minded, think about your career journey and own your own development. Uh, you talked a lot about empathy, and I think that's really important. And then you you talked about how that mixes into getting inside the head of the other party and that people negotiate with people, uh, which we certainly advocate for. The other thing I thought that you said was really critical is bringing solutions to supervisors rather than just identifying what the problem could be, create a solution and bring it to them and think about how would I respond to this pitch, be it a solution or a pitch in a sales uh, situation. Lastly, you brought up a really interesting point around the use of data in conjunction with empathy. So how do people feel, but then how do you back end that with the idea around data um, and maybe watch out when you're making assumptions of what the buyer wants because they may not want a freezer or a cooler or a fridge when you think that they do. Uh, listen, man, it's been a pleasure. On behalf of both Shaylee and myself, we really appreciate it. And if I could leave you with one bit of advice, it's switch your uh, rooting to the Washington Capitals rather than those <laughs> New York Rangers. It's really well, been a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, it, 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 the pleasure has been mine. Thank you, guys. Uh, I appreciate the time today. Mike, you know I'm always open to feedback, but converting from Rangers to Washington is not uh, feedback that I will accept. So I'll go against, <laughs> I'll go against my own advice, but uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for the opportunity, and um, I look forward to uh, connecting again soon. You got it, and good luck with your future negotiations with your daughter. <laughs> I'll take all the help I can get there. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.